What's up, everybody? Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I, of course, am your host, Mike Bauman. Whoever you are, wherever you are listening from, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If you're a returning listener, I greatly appreciate your continued love and support. And if you're a brand new listener of the show, man, thank you so much for hopping aboard that pirate ship. You can follow me on Instagram at March4thPod, on Twitter at Mike V. Bauman. The host site is March4th.podbean.com. My link tree with all my stuff is in the podcast description. Y'all made it here, so you found me somehow. And I truly appreciate you guys checking out another edition of the show. In all seriousness, man, I hope everybody's doing well out there. And if not, hopefully this uh, this podcast brings you a little inspiration for your day today. But I truly want to say from the bottom of my heart, man, thank you to everybody who listens to this show. It's been really humbling over the last couple of years, and especially within the last year in particular, to see the podcast grow, to see the downloads from multiple countries across the the globe, and uh, to be able to connect with the people that I've been able to connect with as far as the guests on this show. It's it's not just about checking a box and, and putting out shows three Tuesdays a month like I do. It really is about finding people who, who want to be on the show, uh, people who want to share their stories, they want to share their content or their art, whatever it is. And um, it's it's been really cool to see it grow um, step by step. You know what I mean? It's um, it's been it's been cool. And, and I just I wouldn't be able to do it without the people who listen to the show, man, you know, people like you who whether you're a first time listener or your family members or friends, people who support me and encourage me or people out there who I don't even know, man, who check out the show. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. It really means a lot. And uh, this, this to call this a labor of love, I really feel like would be a disservice for what it's meant to me in my life over these last couple of years, man, with the pandemic getting back into this more seriously and more consistently. This show has, uh, it's really been a beacon of positivity for me in my life. It's been something uh, that you know, I needed to do creatively. I've I've always had that itch that I needed to scratch creatively. It started with you know drawing as a kid. Music has been a love of my life since I was younger, and um, and 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 being able to do this podcast, I really feel like is it's the truest extension of of all the journalistic uh, work that I've done over the years. You know, it's it really is the the truest form of self expression to this point for me. Um, and that's not to be disparaging to, to any of the other people I've worked with along my path as far as uh, sports writing or music feature writing or, you know, all my buds over at Toledo Sports Network, man. Um, but I just really feel like this is this is me at my most authentic self. And um, it's just been really cool to to do this over the last couple of years and especially in the last year plus, man. It's um, It's been... It's been dark on a personal level, you know, with some of the things that I've gone through. And I don't say that as a martyr. I'm just being real. It was a really challenging year. And um, to be able to to do these podcasts and connect with people um, and, and see it grow, it's been really cool, man. So I say thank you a lot, but I do it because I was raised to not be short on my thank yous. And I, I truly, truly appreciate everybody who listens to this show. And if you are a first-time listener, I really hope that you go back and check out past episodes and if you enjoy this one, you listen to future episodes and tell a friend to tell a friend to check out the podcast. I know there's like 4 million podcasts out there, so you certainly have a lot to choose from, like a lot of stuff in the world today, man. But uh, but yeah, man, it's it's been a fun ride, and I'm really excited 
for this week's episode and for future episodes and just to continue to see this puppy grow. You know, that theme of perseverance and moving forward. You know, this show is really um, art imitating life as far as what I've been going through in the past year plus, man. And I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to in terms of, you know, trying to turn negatives into positives and, um, you know, be the best version of themselves and discover whatever their gifts are to share with the world. And that's the whole goal of this, man, is that these conversations inspire you guys to, uh, you know, to be the best you that you can be and discover whatever it is that makes you tick and, and use that to to share with the world in a positive way, man. So that's what I'm trying to do is make positive ripple effects with the time that I have. But uh, speaking of this week's guest, man, he really fits the mold of March 4th in terms of perseverance and moving forward. He is none other than filmmaker Steven Aripes, who's based in California. We actually linked up through Dylan Baumgartner of Realverse, and uh, Steven hit me up a few months back working on a, a horror film and said, hey, man, when my film gets completed, I would really love to come on your podcast and share my story. And I was like, absolutely, man. So we reconnected recently after he got all of his work done and uh, and we had a great conversation. So Stephen completed his full-length film called The Director's Cut. It's a horror movie and it's it's a hangout film set in a video store and I don't want to give too much away other than to say if you're a fan of Kevin Smith films, you know, Clerks and all those movies, I really think that you'll dig this in terms of just, you know, and, and especially if you're a fan of, of films that have really good dialogue. It's a very dialogue-driven movie. Uh, there's moments of humor. And uh, for me, I was really excited about it because I'm actually a pretty big horror movie fan. I wouldn't say that I'm like a horror film buff, you know, because when you meet a horror film buff, you know them. I mean, even if they were born in like 95, they'll, they'll talk about movies from like the 60s and 70s. And, you know, my knowledge doesn't run that deep, but I do love a good thriller. I do love a good horror movie. I was just watching a, a good one last night. I digress. And, and actually, I've got my shirt on right now uh, from Jad is Rad, shameless uh, plug. Well, actually, it's a free plug for them because they're not a sponsor, but I, I love the the clothes they put out. But um, And shout out to Doc Coyle, who's been on the show. That's how I found out about him. But uh, I've got my Lost Boys shirt on as we speak, and it was just the 35th anniversary, I believe, because that came out 1987, July 31st, 87. Uh, the Lost Boys came out, and I'm wearing my my Lost Boys Lost in Tour 87 shirt as I as I say this. Uh, so yeah, I'm a pretty big horror movie fan. And so when Steven got in touch with me and was like, hey man, I completed my film called The Director's Cut and it's like a horror hangout film. Um, I would love to come on to, to the podcast and share my story. Um, he sent me a, uh, a link to watch it and I, I loved it. I loved it. And again, there's I don't want to give too much away because obviously it's not officially out to all of you in the world yet um, as it was just completed and they just did a first screening um, in July so probably like a month ago right around a month ago I think he shared on his social media and he was able to get feedback from the audience and whatnot and I just think that's really cool man you know if, if anybody who, who listens to this is a fan of movies and you you know how difficult it is to make a movie to get it completed to get it put out into the world and that's just like the big studio movies. So to be an independent filmmaker like Steven, to put all this together, um, it's it's a huge undertaking. And I just can't say enough about how awesome this was. I really enjoyed it. 
Um, I, I literally sat in the dark, watched it on my laptop, you know, to really immerse myself in it. Dylan actually did the score of the movie, and uh, it was really good. It's just, it's just a great watch. You know, there's, like I said, elements of humor, um, and, and then there's obviously, you know, like a lot of horror movies, there's, there's reveals and twists, and uh, there's a lot of stuff with the way this movie unfolded that I didn't see coming, so I can't wait for all of you to see it. But for now, until there's an official release release, Stephen uh, wanted to come on here and talk about his path as a filmmaker, putting this movie together, and what's next as far as his horror flick, The Director's Cut. So without further ado, I'm going to shut my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with filmmaker Stephen Aripes. Here it is. Alrighty, there we go. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking with you about your movie, The Director's Cut. I really enjoyed it. And I'm not just saying that because you're kind enough to join, man. I, I love horror movie <laughs> thrillers, as we were talking about before the yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the pod, man. Uh, thank you for allowing me to be on, on your podcast, man. Appreciate it. Oh, dude, it's all good, man. Um, like we were talking about, Dylan's great. Keith is great. I, I, I have a, a lot of respect for what he's doing with Realverse. And so anybody that's yeah. a friend of his is a, is a friend of mine. And he did the, the score for the movie, right, which we'll get into, Yes, um, which I really enjoyed. But really where I want to start with you, man, is just you're talking about how you're a movie buff, which I don't know any <laughs> filmmaker that wouldn't be into movies, but uh well, <laughs> What what got you hooked on film, man? Like, what was what was an experience um, that you can remember from when you were younger that really got you into like like movies are my thing? Yeah, you know, uh, that's a good question. I feel like, honestly, uh, the simple answer is I feel like I've always been into them. You know, I can't remember a time where I was I wasn't. You know wanting to see a movie or into seeing movies I feel like it just was like since I had any you know recollection of memories I was always watching you know movies or television or anything like that um but I would say the first um real movie that really like kind of sparked that interest maybe I didn't know it at the time but I think in hindsight it kind of makes sense um it's this movie it's the first Raider art movie that I that I remember seeing and that was the film called uh Leon the Professional I don't know if you ever seen it. It has Natalie Portman when she it's like her first acting role. Um, but great film. And it was like I was like, I think I was like eight or nine when I saw it. So. Um, so, yeah, it was very impactful, you know, and uh, which was rare, you know, like uh, I didn't really watch a lot of rated R movies growing up until like I got a little bit older because I was raised a uh, witness, you know, so that was very, you know, movies and stuff like that you know they were always there's always like a little like kind of like forbidden fruit thing to it you know like you can only watch certain kinds of movies you know but I was always interested in the the darker type films even from a little kid even like I was always interested in horror movies and stuff like that but I but uh you know obviously it was not a it's not it's against the religion to watch those type of movies and stuff but luckily my dad you know even though he was in the he was an elder in the in the in the religion you know which is like a pretty you know, a person that people go to and talk to, you know, in the religion, he, uh, you know, he kind of had a, a little looseness to when it came to movies, you know, once I got to like a certain age, you know, and, and you know, obviously, never sure anything that was like too like, 
you know, explicit, like graphic, you know, like sexually graphic or anything like that, you know, violence was a little okay, you know, for some reason, but, but uh, yeah, so that was like the first movie that I think really like, kind of like, whoa, this is a, it was, you know, something different, you know, that I hadn't seen before. And it really, I think subconsciously affected me when I saw that movie. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a very great film. It's been a minute since I've seen it because uh, who's the the male lead in that the, that actor's name? He's been uh, Gene Reno, I think is his name. Gene Reno, yeah, yeah. He's been in yeah. a lot of stuff over the years. Oh, yeah, yeah. he's a big actor. Yeah, yeah. It's been some years since I've seen that, but yeah, I definitely remember that movie because that was probably what like mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, ninety five somewhere in there. Yeah, in the mid nineties. Yeah, probably ninety six, something like that. Ninety five. Um, yeah, and it has Gary Oldman too. He's the villain in the movie. Um, and he plays a, one of the, it's one of my favorite performances, uh, that he's ever done. And just in general, it's just a great, great, great time. (laughs) Yeah. That both, I mean, all those actors are great, but yeah, Gary Oldman, man, like the, the range of characters he's played over the years is pretty, pretty crazy, you know? Oh yeah. He's a, he's a master at, at his craft. That's for sure. So that was the first one that really bit you. What was the first horror movie then that you were, that, did you have to sneak it or were, were, were you allowed to see it what do you remember the first horror movie experience man the first god i wish i honestly i think the first like I, I you know you know when i was growing up you know i'm i'm 33 so uh in the 90s you know the way you saw movie trailers there was no internet it was like the commercials you know so i would always see these commercials for the movies coming out you know like horror movies and stuff and that's what that's how my interest even got peaked into those type of movies. Cause I would see those little ads, you know, on TV, you know, flipping the channels or something like that. And, uh, you know, and I remember, I would say kind of like the first horror movie that really got, Oh, I think it was, uh, one of the first ones that I watched actually was the shining. My, my dad showed it to me, me and my brother. And it, it, it was horrifying, you know, I don't know if you, you've seen the shining. Oh yeah. The, not, not the, uh, the series that they made in the nineties, but the one with Jack Nicholson. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That the original. Yes. Stanley yeah, that, is it Kubrick. I always, I never Stanley know. Kubrick. Yeah. Kubrick. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I saw that movie and you know, there's a, you know, there's a lot of scenes if you haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, just that, that whole scene, you know, obviously the little girls and all that stuff. It was just a very disturbing movie, you know, and I remember it really, uh, penetrating my psyche <laughs> when I first saw it just like blood coming down know. the hallway yeah blood the old lady in the in in the room 237 like and she she's all beautiful and then she turns into you know a, you know a very you know disgusting looking person and uh yeah it's uh it was very but also it was it was well, I remember watching it and being very fascinated because I was like it, it was a very unique movie, you know, it was some, you know, his style, Stanley Kubrick style, he has this intangible quality to his films, like, you know, it's his movie, you know, you know, and I remember when I started learning about directors and stuff, or just watching other movies by the same director, I was like, yeah, they have like this, like, kind of signature in their movie that I, it's almost indescribable, I can't really, but just the way that even the actors, the way they act, the way, you know, the, just the way it's shot and everything, I, but I knew I was like, in the hands of a, of a madman and a master at the same time, you know, when I first saw it, but yeah, it's, it scared the living, living daylights out of me. Um, so I would say that's like the first full horror movie that I can recall right now <laughs> that I saw. Um, I think I was like about like maybe like 12 or 13 or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, it was a, 
it was good. It's a good time. <laughs> yeah, we're we're basically right about the same in terms of lifetime too. Because yeah, I'm 34. I just turned 34 in March. So oh, nice, nice. I Congrats, actually, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we made it. I made it. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'll be 34 in October, so I'm there with you. <laughs> right on, man. Um, yeah, I I actually got a chance to. I I wish I would have made more time that day. Um, excuse me, to actually go to the hotel itself. But where they filmed mm. The Shining is in Estes Park, Colorado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went to Denver on vacation with my ex three years ago. And uh, we drove from Denver. Just being an Ohio k- kid, I didn't realize, like, you just think, like, Denver's all mountains. I didn't realize when you go there, the city is is in a flat area and the mountains are kind of all on one side. And then you drive up mm-hmm. and go into Rocky Mountain National Park. But anyway, so I, I think it's about an hour, hour and a half drive, if my memory serves me right. Going down the mountain was terrifying. There were Colorado locals and <laughs> their Subarus and trucks passing me in my rented Nissan Optima. I was doing like 35 going down the friggin' you know, mountains. Yeah. Just look over. It's like guardrail, 500 foot drop. So yeah, I um, hate driving on those windy roads, man. <laughs> it was pretty ominous though. When you got into Estes park, because it's like mm-hmm. the hotel I remember was on like one far side of the, the town. And I actually think that's what the hotel, the same hotel they used in dumb and dumber too um with uh, okay with yeah 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 yeah. Uh, that makes sense okay <laughs> i can see it now that i'm thinking about it <laughs> yeah i think which i didn't realize till years later but anyway i saw it in the distance and it was just kind of ominous because i was like oh my god that's where they filmed the shining you know but i wish yeah. i would have went up and like actually tried to go in there i'm sure it looks a lot different in there now but uh mm-hmm. yeah i um i did see that when i was gosh i don't know if i watched it fully until maybe a teenager um, but kind of like you, I mean, I grew up Catholic, so like anything that was sexual was usually pretty restricted for us. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom and my dad weren't really about that, obviously, but then, but, but they didn't really have a problem with horror in some, in some aspects. I think they didn't, yeah, yeah, that we would understand it. Not that they would let us rent horror movies, but like, for example, my first horror experience was the TV series, it that they made oh, yeah. Tim Curry was Pennywise and that scared the bejesus out of me. You know, when he comes mm-hmm. up in the, uh, Hey Eddie, I just want to say hello. And he comes up in the, <laughs> puts, pulls the drain apart and comes up in the shower and has all the shower heads yeah, yeah. force Eddie into the middle of the, so, you know, the middle of the shower. So he can't go anywhere. Like that was vivid to me when I was a kid mm-hmm. at the beginning of that, when, um, the little girl sees him through the, uh, like the sheets and stuff, the laundry hanging and he smiles mm-hmm. And then she sees him again and he's just got like this terrifying look on his face that scared the the crap out of me when I was a kid, but it is probably not classified as horror necessarily. I think it's, you know, probably a thriller. And it, my mom told me it was based out of a, uh, based on a book, but the movie stir of echoes with Kevin Bacon. Did you ever see that? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while, but I, I did see that. I have seen that movie. Yes. Oh, so I was probably 12 when I watched that. Cause I think that came out in like 99, maybe 98, 99. Mm-hmm. I think I saw it in like 2000 and my, my cousin Lindsay spent the night that night. She slept in the bottom bunk with me. Cause I was so freaked out yeah. after, <laughs> after watching that, that movie scared the crap out of me. And I think it's because as a kid, um, the scariest things for me, and that's one thing I wanted to get into with you as well, because it ties mm-hmm. to the director's cut, which you made. Um, but the most terrifying horror movies to me are, are the things that seem like they could really happen. Um, yeah. The kind of fantasy level stuff, 
like doesn't doesn't scare me as much because I'm like it's not you know like like you know vampires Frankenstein stuff, mm-hmm. monster movies that's more entertainment like an American Werewolf in London is probably yeah. my favorite horror movie ever it's it's more or less I would say more of a horror comedy or a satire of anything but yeah yeah but great the film by the way that are great yeah um but yeah the stir stir of echoes terrified because it seemed like that's something that could really happen you know what I mean mm-hmm. no yeah yeah um yeah, I mean, by the way, also it that's a movie that I did see pretty young, and that that the mini series ter- terrified me. Um, yeah, no, that it, and even now it's still there. I still find things in that in that series that scare the daylights out of me, you know. And it, yeah, just the you know from the beginning with Georgie and everything, it just the teeth, just all yeah. He's just I I think I don't think I, I, I clowns bothered me. I'm just gonna be honest. There's <laughs> I've always had an issue with clowns. Uh, I don't have a phobia of them, but they're they're easily creepy in my opinion. And then I saw it and that was, you know, I'm like, all right, I've never, like, I don't understand the fascination of having clowns at parties. To me, that was never anything like that I would ever want to do. And then especially once I saw it, it was just like a, uh, you know, a hell no. <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, no, I, and I'm with you. I think I, I, I prefer more of the, and I like all kinds of horror, but, uh, I think I usually gravitate more towards the grounded, like, uh, you know more of something that could happen to you i'm I'm a big slasher uh that's my favorite subgenre in the horror uh in the horror genre is the slasher genre and um that's more my that's my thing you know where it's something tangible you know you know ghosts and stuff that could be creepy and stuff and and all that stuff but you know someone coming into your house trying to kill you can you know that can really happen you know and it happens you know unfortunately more often you know more than we think you know yeah yeah yeah, I, I, um, you give a nod to not to give anything. I don't want to, I'm not going to, we're not going to spoil the director's cut for anybody. Yeah, yeah. There is a nod to, uh, Freddie adjacent in, in the director's cut, which I thought was cool. I picked mm-hmm. up on that right away. I was like, yes, that's all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm with you, man. Like, I, I like the slasher flicks too. Um, my, a story that, that still stands out from my childhood was around Halloween time. And it was, it's probably different now, but back then, if you had cable, there was like a certain time of night. And I don't know if it still works like this with television, but, mm. or maybe this is just my memory is warped because over time things change. No, yeah. But I remember after like a certain time and at like certain parts of the year, they, you, you could watch those movies and they would, they would leave the language in and everything. And um, there was one of the Jason movies that came on. And uh, one of the Friday the 13th, and I was probably in like third grade. I remember we were in the basement. It was like me, my brother, Greg, who's two years older then my brother, Brandon, who's six years older. So they were like 11. Brandon was probably like 15. And I remember I started crying because I'm like an empath that I just remember at one point in the movie. Um, it wasn't <laughs> Jason either. It was uh, some guy like uh, this. It was like this character. I don't know like if he was a, a little like mentally slow or something, but I, I just remember there was like a scene where it's like, he was trying to give somebody something and then he like basically got his like spine ripped out and it was like jumping <laughs> as like a little kid, baby cry. And then they were mad because my mom made him turn the movie off. But um, yeah, but yeah, well, all of the, <laughs> the, the Halloween movies and the Friday, the 13th movies, it's, it's crazy how far they've, they've come. I just, mm-hmm. I just went back and watched, and I think it might've been the first time I watched it all the way through was the original um, nightmare on Elm street. 
I'd seen like oh, yeah. spinoffs and stuff, but it was just recently mm-hmm. they had gone back and watched what I think was like the, the very first one with a very young Johnny Depp. I don't know. Yeah, if that yeah. Was the first movie, but that's the first one. Yeah. But that 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 movie had uh, some some great. I I always love the practical special effects. You know, where he's trying to come through the wall when she's sleeping. Yeah, yeah. See his indentations coming through, and Johnny Depp getting sucked in the bed, and the blood like going everywhere. I know. Um, but anyway, man. Um, yeah, that's that's a crazy one to start with, though. The Shining, and and yeah, it. I, I I'm with you. Like clowns are. I I never understood having them at parties and stuff. Even Ronald McDonald kind of freaked me out when he was a kid. Yeah, there was something off about him. Yeah, I always felt something strange about Ronald McDonald too. But you know, I think I was more happy. Like I, I, I let it pass because I was a big fan of the food. You know. (laughs) Yeah. So then, so when when do you really start getting into Stephen? Like, okay, I filmmaking is something that I want to pursue. Going, you know, making that bridging that Mm -hmm. being like I'm a fan of this stuff and this is stuff that I enjoy. I enjoy the experience of watching these movies and learning about film to this is something that I actually really, really want to pursue. Yeah. So, you know, honestly, like I said, I feel like it was always there, but like growing up, you know, in a religious Jehovah witness environment, you know, it was, that was not something that even seemed like a possibility, like, Oh, Hey, you, you know, as a career choice, you know, that was, you know, they, they you know, they're not really big on people doing pursuing, you know, entertainment in that religion, you know, um, from, from what I remember growing up, they, they were very, you know, I remember my, my cousin could even join like the basketball team or something like that, you know, it was, oh, you know, wow. some, yeah, they can get very strict, you know, there's levels to every, everybody, you know, but I remember it being things like that. And I was, it was always confusing to me, but so it never really kind of like, you know, like, yeah, you know, when people ask me, what are you going to be? I'm like, I'm going to be, uh, you know, I, I think I said I wanted to draw cartoons, you know, uh, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I started watching movies. I always lo- loved them. And I and it's funny because I remember watching movies, even movies that I didn't like or I was disappointed by. It'd be like how I would always think in my head as a pretty young too, just like how would this movie could have been better in my head, like how it should have played out, you know, how I wish it played out. And I think it would have made the movie better. So I was always kind of kind of like, uh, you know, if I saw a movie that I didn't think lived up to the to its full potential, I would always like kind of like think of an alternate version of the movie, you know, like, oh, man, it would have been a lot cooler if this happened this way. And then if this instead of this character dying like this happened or whatever it may be, you know, or the plot, you know, stuff like that. And then uh, um, and as I got older, once I got into middle school, like I was just upset, you know, I became once the Internet came on, I became even more obsessed with movies. You know, I remember going like, you know, dial up and all that stuff going on IMDb from its beginning stages, which is like, I don't know if you're familiar with IMDb, but the Internet Movie Database. Yeah. yeah. So they used to have message boards back then. I remember being deep in. I was just like. I don't know. I got sucked into the movie culture through there too. While also, oh, and then DVDs. You know, once DVDs came out, and I they had look uh, the special features. You know, yeah. I started like, what are the special features? And once I started looking into them, I started seeing like basically, you know, uh, the 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 people, you know, the people of the man behind the curtain. You know, the stuff, how it, the mechanics of it, and that really fascinated me. Um, but you know, at the time, I was still kind of in the religion you know and my parents weren't fully out of the religion you know so it was like I I would never you know I started having very strong feelings towards filmmaking and you know wanting to do something like that um and then my brother you know he started writing scripts and then he really 
once you know and I looked up to my I look up to my brother and stuff like that so when he started writing scripts and by this time I think we 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 basically I think I was like 14 we basically kind of separated from the religion we we stopped going to like the meetings and stuff like that and I started feeling a little bit more like okay like I can you know just a little bit like more comfortable with liking movies or wanting to do movies but wouldn't really say it out loud out loud yet to people um but my brother started writing scripts and which I was like what the heck you're into writing scripts and he started showing me you know the more interesting films you know from a bunch of genres and stuff you know you know I remember him showing uh showing me Reservoir Dogs you know Quentin Tarantino movies basically yeah Uh, that blew my mind and I that that was like a whole nother thing that just hooked me even deeper um and then uh so I was like about in uh sophomore and then I got into video production they had a video production class in high school I started taking it because I got you know I was already interested and then that was cool learning like editing you know and stuff like that video and cameras um and then I got into and then my junior year I rented two movies um it was the movie Closer I don't know if you ever heard of it it's 2004 um has Clive Owen Jude Law Natalie Portman Julia Roberts but it's like a drama romance film and then the movie Garden State, which also has Natalie Portman and it's directed by Zach Braff from yeah. Scrubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I rented those two movies and I, you know, I've always rent movies and I, I looked at the Garden State special features and it really had a really good in-depth on the making of the film and Zach Braff, how he didn't really, you know, kind of how he got it made, you know, how he got it made. And it was just very kind of, I kind of just like related. And I was like, wow, like he just, he didn't really have, you know, this is like not like a big Hollywood type movie. And he was able, it's been dependent. I don't know. And just the story clicked with me. And I was like, I could, I know it's hard, but I can do this. And now I got to do it. Cause now like I couldn't, I don't know. It inspired me basically that behind the special features. And I basically, you know, after watching that movie and watching the special features, I was like, okay, this is it. This is what I'm going for. I was in, yeah, I was in junior year of high school. So I just that moment just something clicked and I just couldn't deny it no more and I was like all right this is what I'm gonna go for is it plan a plan b plan c plan d all the way to z you know I had no other back that was I wasn't gonna have any backup plan and uh yeah so that's kind of how uh it really started and then I started you know going in depth into everything I was watching just analyzing watching every commentary I could see on directors and stuff like that um uh, and I remember just uh yeah just really getting obsessed in the very you know very obsessed with movies at that time and just like all it was like movies go to the theater watch a new movie everything that was coming out and uh, learning the behind the scenes and the mechanics as much as I could you know and that's how it started basically and then I and then I started writing scripts you know I wrote my first script when I was in like a CS like the end of junior beginning of senior year you know my brother also had written scripts so he kind of helped me a little bit kind of this is how you format you know, and I didn't have a writing program. So I did the whole word document, you know, like lining up properly. How did they do the script? It was a pain in the ass, but I wrote this horror movie script, terrible script, you know, but it was good. You needed to, you know, write, you know, it's better just to do it, even if it's, you know, shitty material, but at least I was able to finish a script, you know, it was like a hundred something pages and it was, you know, not any good, but it still was satisfying. And I was kind of hooked. And I was like, okay. And it has helped me learn, you know, um, how to write a script. And I just kept doing that for many years. And then, and then it came to learning the mechanics of, you know, the camera and all that stuff, you know, because 
you know, I kind of realized nobody's going to give me any money unless I make something, you know, <laughs> like I don't have any experience, you know, so it was, that's kind of how all it all started, you know, junior year of high school and garden state special features, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but yeah. Have you ever tried to reach out to him? Just to let him know like, Hey man, like this was really inspiring to me. Yeah. You know, I never have, you know, maybe because I always think like nobody's going to respond back. So <laughs> I, 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 but I definitely, you know, he's no, no joke. He, you know, if I, I hope I get the chance to meet Zach Braff and tell him how much, uh, you know, his movie in general, that movie garden saying just that it was like a very, it was the tipping point of me being like, this is what I'm going for, you know? So uh, hopefully I get a chance to tell him one day, maybe I will write something, you know, I should, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, one day, hopefully <laughs> I get to meet him and, and tip and thank him in person, you know? Yeah. We've, we've vocalized it into the universe now, man. So yeah. It'll boomerang <laughs> back. So then, so then after, okay. So you said you were, you were 14. So like junior high, <clears throat> when, when your parents broke away from the being a Jehovah's witness, you, you were a teenager. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, it was about four. We like, uh, yeah, it was around that time. It's we like started like I just noticed that we stopped going to like the the meetings like more often. Like, oh, it, I, I, look, I never mind. Honestly, I was never, and I'm not just saying this. I was never fully like gung ho about the religion from the beginning. You know, like I, I, it was just kind of like, you know, please my parents type thing. You know, this is what they believe and risk. You know don't get them mad, you don't know, respect it, you know, but I never fully uh, comprehended it. Uh, I felt like I never really grasped the whole concept of like, why can't we celebrate birthdays? Just things, little things like that just seemed odd to me, you know, but I was just, you know, I was, you know, I was listening to my parents, you know, I was, a, I was being, you know, a good kid, at least in my eyes, you know, <laughs> so um, never trying to question it too hard. Um, but as I got older, it just kind of, it kind of like was contradicting the things I was into like movies and, you know, a lot of things in movies, excuse me. Um, you know, don't have the same views as, you know, people that are in the Jehovah witness uh, religion, you know, and stuff like that. And, and it was, yeah, it, it, and, you know, there's a whole thing. Why, why my parents stopped going, you know, what, which I won't get into, but, you know, they had their reasons. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah. And then once it stopped happening, you know, me and my brother were like, you know, we gave each other, you know, a high five and we're, you know, we were very happy because it, it was kind of like being unchained in a way, you know, cause that was always that thing that was kind of like pulling you back, you know, and like you, you know, and, but to me, it, yeah, it felt a little, it felt like I was, you know, freed in a, in a, in a sense, you know, officially, you, you know, like I can move on from this. And I can just kind of cut loose, you know? Um, and yeah, it just, yeah. so around that age, 14, yeah, they kind of stopped going. Um, uh, and yeah, and that was it. And I didn't really, you know, you know, push back on why are we not going to the, to the meetings? <laughs> you know, I kind of just like, I was like, you know what, don't say, if you don't say anything, maybe they won't, they'll free, you know, they won't bring it up ever again. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of how it played out, you know? So yeah, I think it was a, it was a good call by my parents, but Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And no disrespect to the Jehovah Witness religion. You know, I have family members in there um, that I adore still, and I still have communications, you know, but, you know, it just wasn't for me. Yeah, for, for and that's exactly how I feel too, Stephen. You know, to me, if, if any type of organized religion, like I grew up Catholic, I'm not yeah. practicing Catholic anymore. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for the faith foundation that it gave me because I do believe in a, in a higher power. And I've had, you know, experiences that have made me feel like there's something past this, you know, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if, 
I don't know if it's if if it's a beautiful white guy who looks like he played keys in the Bee Gees. I don't, you know, I you know, no disrespect to people who believe in Jesus because there's probably gonna be Christians yeah. who listen to it and go, oh, I can't believe he said that. Lighten up. Um, but yeah, my, my whole thing has always been like, if you know, if 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 it helps make you feel like you're a better person, or or, or I should say, it helps you in your daily life be a better better person to have you know, whether it's a Bible study, you know, I, 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 my core Nashville friends, I met from going to a non-denominational church down here, Mm -hmm. um, which is more come as you are. And I still listen to the podcasts and stuff from that church. And I I don't go as religiously as I, as I used to, but I met some really good people through that, you know? So um, I'm right there with you, you know, if, if it's, uh, if it's something that helps you in your life, that's great. But, but on the other flip side of that coin, I also don't think that it should be anything that's injected into, um, how we live our lives or how anybody should have to have to live their life in any country. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, most definitely have the freedoms to, to, to practice religion, but I don't think it should be indoctrinated into law. I'll just say that. Um, but but moving moving past that, it like you said, it's and that's kind of why I asked that. Stephen, was it? Um, it sounds like after that, like the it was always there, but you didn't you didn't have to feel like you were the kid sneaking into the cookie jar at night anymore. It's like okay, I have the freedom yeah. to pursue this, and it's not there's not going to be any red flags. I can I can go I can do this and and learn from my brother and what he's doing, and also continue to pursue this passion. Yeah, yeah, it just felt like I didn't have to kind of like they weren't going to, nobody was going to use the religion against me anymore. <laughs> like to be like, that's against, you know, Jehovah's, you know, you know, or something like that, you know? So yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah. It was definitely a, a weight lifted off me. And I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad it happened. That's for sure. <laughs> so I got, I got to ask about that first horror script though. So you said it was, it was terrible, but I mean, obviously, you know, the story about Stephen King though, where he threw Carrie in the trash initially, cause he thought it was bad. Hmm. So- I'm just curious that what, what was the name of the, of, of the script you wrote and what was it about? Okay. So the, yeah, the, no, yeah. Um, and I don't think, I think the concept's not terrible, but I think, you know, just me as a writer at the time, I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't good. <laughs> good. Um, but uh, it, it was called, uh, well, I'm not crazy about the title either, but it was called uh, hell day. It was just called, so it took place in one full day and it was called hell day. And it was just about this pizza boy delivery guy who gets uh, delivers this pizza to this like house kind of out of the the outskirts of the town. And he ends up getting kidnapped by the person that he's delivering the pizza to. And that person has like a freaking torture dungeon within his big house. And he has these three sons, maniac sons, and he puts them into the into the torture. Like it's a house within a house and, and puts them in there. And they basically... He's basically running around in this other type of maze type area in the house, trying to avoid these three crazy, uh, crazy killers that are the sons of this, uh, the more crazier person that's running the whole thing, you know? So that was the, that was, and I was really into, uh, at that time, I was really into like Saw, like the torture, like hostile, like yeah. all those type of movies, okay? And I still love those movies, but I'm just saying at the time, they were really, inf- like Saw was really influential, horror movie for me the first one and I was like really trying to do something you know or that was so it was very it was it was too graphic and a little too much you know I was a little too unfiltered you know it, it, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it at that and um yeah you know like I said there's good things in it like conceptually 
but I, a lot, a lot of the execution was, you know, not there, you know, so <laughs> hell day, you know, maybe one day I'll, <laughs> I'll yeah, go back to it. <laughs> I would, I would watch that. I, but the, the, the timing of that makes sense. So, and I'm right there with you. Like I look back, uh, cause I went to school for, for communication with a focus in journalism and, and initially mm-hmm. I had designs of being a sports writer. And when I look back at some of the early articles and stuff I wrote, I was like, Ooh, like it wasn't even in like the right <laughs> the right journalistic style for it and stuff but but that's how you cut your teeth you know and some stuff i thought maybe some of my columns were a little too cheesy but uh i i'm kind of cheesy by nature but uh no i would totally watch that though and and i and that makes sense with the timing because the first saw movie i remember that kind of became uh, a phenomenon and i didn't mm-hmm. see it in the theaters but i remember it went crazy on the rental market too so we had blockbuster and everything in toledo ohio where i'm from but we also had uh family video and then i think video connection was i think it was local i don't know if it was regional but um and i don't know if the family videos are still around anymore if they're still hanging in there i watched that documentary about the last blockbuster which i really liked and it kind of made me sad because i remember oh, yeah. i remember looking forward to like friday nights and we would go rent a movie from like family video or, you know, if they didn't have the one you wanted, you're like, Oh dang it, let's go to this section. And you know, that, that experience. And then they always had the candy and the popcorn, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, but, uh, but yeah, I remember the first saw watching that uh, when we rented it. And I want to say, yeah, I, I think I was a junior in high school. Cause I want to say it came out in like the fall of Oh four, maybe. Mm-hmm. Is that all right. I think. It yeah. Was- it came out in 2004. 2004 yeah like in like i think in october yeah that and and i didn't it was great great twist by the way i did you know i i think that's what made that that movie that initial one mm-hmm. didn't see it coming you know you're like oh my god you know the dude starts moving at the end and you're like whoa he was in the- yeah oh yeah uh, no definitely that movie i mean i i was obsessed with that movie when it first came out and you know it's crazy because you know the movies get more um graphic as they go on in the series you know yeah. and i'm honestly not too crazy i think after the second one i kind of don't care about the rest person personally for me um but uh i remember like if you watch the first one watch it again it's not as gory as you think it is you know it's, it's a good detective kind of you know uh mystery trying to you know catch a killer type thing and there is yeah torture scenes and stuff but it's not it's not very graphic as as i think probably people think it is you know it's more of the sequels that kind of amped up the violence you know um but uh yeah yeah that twist got me so good I, I remember being like it was just a great collective mind blown of the the whole audience in the theater because i saw it in the theater because i like like i said i was deep in that imdb you know message board and they they you know you would get like oh this movie's coming out you know so i would even know about these like indie movies coming out and stuff like that you know before all my friends and stuff and they had no idea what saw what is this what is this movie i'm like yeah we got to watch this movie you know and uh, we had to force my mom to like buy the tickets and like watch it with us and i you know she hates horror movies so um it was a torture for her but uh it was a glorious day for me that's for sure (laughs) there were a lot of good horror movies in that early 2000s era i mean oh yeah yeah zombie had house of a thousand corpses and the devil's rejects Rejects. yeah oh five one of my favorite horror movies ever it's definitely my top like three for sure is the descent which i think came out in Mm -hmm. 2006 i think yeah yeah yeah. Um, that's a great film yeah and then uh cabin fever 
you know, Eli mm-hmm. Roth, when that, I think yeah. I was a freshman or sophomore in high school too. I think with that was Lionsgate, I think that picked it up and it was what, 2003 or four, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. three, four in that range too. So, um, so yeah, man, I, and I, I love that one. Uh, that's, that's, that's still a great watch as well. Um, Cam Fever. Yeah. So yeah. good. No. Yeah, yeah man. I, that's a great time. That was a great time for horror movies for sure. The, the two, especially the, the first half of the two thousands, you know, they were just like a lot of great independent horror movies came out and they were very in your face. And uh, yeah, no, I dug him. I was, I was all gung ho about it for sure. Still am, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That seems like that was a good, like sort of Genesis of everything you're doing now, because like mm-hmm. you said, then you had the message boards, which that was definitely of that era too. the, mm-hmm. you know, AOL instant messenger and message mm-hmm. boards and stuff. I almost feel like that predated like blog culture and now blog mm-hmm. culture has kind of morphed into people having TikToks or YouTube channels and stuff. But so yeah. post high school, man, did you, did you then study it like in, in college? Did you go to, so I went to, I went to a community college and um, I did take two, I took video production in, in, in the community college and I, and I took, um, world cinema and American cinema, you know, which were very great classes, but that's it. That's my only type of like film school, like in an academic sense, you know, Um, because I wasn't big. Like I, once I had made up my mind, like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I was like, I don't need a, I, like I said, it's maybe it's not a good, you know, I wouldn't recommend this, but you should know, you know, uh, especially I have two kids. I'm not going to tell them, you know, like, Hey, you know, don't have a backup plan. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. But uh, that's how, you know, I'm stubborn. So that's, uh, that's how I viewed it. I was like, I was going to school, but like, it was just like, to me, it was like, I only cared about the film classes and not anything else, you know? So I, I, I didn't finish. I, I got out and started, you know, got a, got jobs and started working, you know, and just doing stuff with the working so I can, you know, get a camera and stuff like that, you know? Um, and that's kind of how it was um, when it came to that w- about like learning about film. But the thing that I went to my film school was film, you know, movies. That's what I went to. I went to the movies. I went to the the commentaries, the special features to learn and get an insight on the people I thought were, you know, influential, you know, or making great stuff. Even, uh, you know, I would even go and even pay attention to the movies that maybe most people wouldn't think are you know, classics or good movies or, you know, whatever, you know, because I feel like it's, you know, you learn from the mistakes, you know, or things that maybe weren't as uh, polished or as well made, you know? So, um, but yeah, I kind of went like to a variety of, uh, of places in film, you know, kind of all the whole spectrum type of thing, you know, cause I think it's important to, to learn from, I guess, from the bottom to the top, you know, type thing, but yeah. Yeah, because I I was checking out your IMDb actually as I was researching to do this and um yes. <laughs> worked on you've worked on multiple things. So there was the Morning Star, Best Buds, Night Call, The Canyons, To Whom I Love, and if I if I understand this from from what I was reading, so were you you directed Best Buds into Whom I Love, and then you were producing as well. So take take me through kind of like this last decade. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So a lot of a lot of trial and error. Okay, is a lot. Of, that's what happened. Um, so yeah, you know, I I finally got a camera and stuff, and I started making a bunch of. Once I got my first camera, I started making um, a bunch of like movies. You know, they weren't well. They weren't well made, but it was practice. You know, I was getting practice in, and and I was you know 
uh, you know, honing the craft, you would say, you know, and uh, yeah, they were very cheesy, very bad, or just like my actually the guy in the the guy in the director's cut, uh, my buddy John, he plays the character of uh, Jason, the long-haired guy. He, I've known him. He's the one that I met in community college. You know, we hit it off and you know, and uh, we started collaborating. So a lot of like early stuff that I don't even have posted on YouTube or anything like like that. Like uh, most of it, uh, we it's me and him, you know, kind of just making stupid ass, you know, short films or videos, you know, that weren't, you know, that weren't great, but they were, they were fun to make. Um, so that's how kind of how it started. And the first time I attempted to make like a serious short film um, was this movie called Suburban Days. So I was trying to meet my buddy, Jeremy, who is a cinematographer and helped me produce it. Um, he, me and him were like, I met him at when I was working at Vons and we hit it off, you know, once I found out he's into that stuff. And we're like, okay, we need to make a movie, like a low budget, you know, like we need to make our movies. That's like the whole thing. We need to do it ourselves because nobody's going to give us money to do it because who the, who the hell are we, you know? Um, so we were, this movie, Suburban Days, it was like a stoner. <laughs> it was like a stoner, like Days and Confused type film, you know, we're trying to make something like that. Uh, and we we couldn't get funding. We got We got close to getting some funding, but there was always like stipulations like, oh, it has to be this this you know and it's like well that's not the vision of the movie so then like we didn't get funding for it so we got enough to to make a short film which was not great in my opinion I'm in the short film you know but it's not you know I don't ha I don't think I have it posted anywhere it's it's in the it's in the private uh you know of Vimeo or whatever <laughs> um but um but we made this short film and and, and we worked on it with a nice camera nice equipment we kind of had this is like the first time we had like a little crew you know to help us make the movie it wasn't just me and him and like an actor or two actors you know so it was a it was a good experience but it was a good learning experience and the movie didn't you know amount to anything but like I said it was a it was a good experience you know so then after that um I think uh I was very dejected because it just didn't turn out you know it was a, like two years of trying to get this thing made and we got this short film that I wasn't even crazy about really the way it turned out honestly there was you know multiple factors but it uh it just didn't turn out to my liking so then I was you know I made a promise to myself like by 28 I gotta make a feature film okay and I was like and I was like gung-ho to like stick to that promise <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, finally I was like, okay, so I wrote this script. It was called, uh, it was called once upon a time in the burbs. So I actually made a feature length, like a full length movie before I made the director's cut, but it's, I don't, I didn't like put it out there because it ended up being not what I wanted. It was like a, a epic fail, I would say. So I was, uh, it was a, it was like a, a home invasion type movie, you know? Um, and uh, I, I wrote it and everything. I was trying to do it. The problem with that movie was I was trying to do it all myself. You know, I read that book, uh, Rebel Without a Crew by Robert Rodriguez. He made that movie, El Marachi, and uh, he made it for $7,000. And that's how he got into the movie industry. And they saw it and then he made Desperado from Dust Till Dawn, all these other movies, you know. And I was like, wow, I read his book. It was very inspiring. Um, but I think I it was I kind of was a little misguided in my attempt. You know, I, I don't think I needed to to just make myself do every, you know, have wear too many hats is basically what ended up happening. So I wore too many hats and ended up becoming a laborious, very, you know, just hard film to get made because I was shooting it like on weekends only, you know, every weekend of the month, you know, I was shooting it. And movies are shot consecutively, you know, they're not, they're not shot like every week. They shoot it like in 
14 days in a row, 21 days or three months, whatever, whatever, the ha- whatever, you, you know, however big the movie is. Um, and it just ended up falling apart because I couldn't pay the actors. They were getting paid by gas and meals and they wanted to do the movie, you know. And uh, one of the actors lost their job and that totally derailed the whole project for like, for like five, six months, you know? Oh. And I was like, Oh my God. And I was like, probably like I filmed a little bit, a little bit more than half of the movie. Um, but also, so that happened, it just kind of derailed the whole thing. I was also having my first kid, you know, on the way. So it was just a lot of factors going on. I feel like I just kind of uh, was overreaching at that time. You know, I think I kind of rushed, the whole thing I should have been more patient I think just because I made this this promise to myself at like 18 years old that I was like okay uh, Tarantino made a movie when he was 28 I gotta fucking make a movie at 28 it was that type of thing you know so it ended up uh, backfiring and uh, like I even I got the movie done I ended up filming it later like I said six months later I felt like okay I filmed all this footage I might as well film it you know and, uh, you know, it's funny because my buddy, John, who's also a director, he's in the movie. He plays the bad guy in the movie. He plays the killer. And, uh, you know, he had lost. He was heavier in the first part of the movie. And then when we filmed again, he kind of slimmed down a little bit. So it was like it's not like super obvious, but I can it's kind of like noticeable. Like, hey, he lost some weight. You know, this all takes place in one day. You know, yeah. so um, it was kind of, you know, so I got it done. It was kind of like I have to get this done because. I put enough time in it. I'm like, I needed to get it done. So I'm edited and everything. I wasn't crazy how it was turning out, but I was like, Hey, I got to get it done. Just, you know, not to be, not to quit on it, you know? And, uh, so I got it done. I edited it and, uh, I submitted it to like nine festivals, got rejected by all the festivals. <laughs> and I was like, I kind of was expecting it. Cause I didn't feel it was like anything too great personally, but, um, even though there's things in it that I'm proud of overall, it just wasn't like what I wanted audiences to really know me by as my first full length movie, you know? So I ended up just shelving it. It's in uh, it's in Vimeo uh, purgatory, you know? So that's where it's at right now. So that was the first movie that I made. And then, uh, and then I made those shorts uh, to you, my love. Um, and, uh, and I made a uh, night call and I made some other, just to practice more. And I'd be, I think I needed more practice, you know, but I, but it was good that experience of making that movie, even though it was a failure, it was a good film school also, because I kind of learned, I kind of, it just taught me a lot, just like how to prep properly, you know, and just more things. And also just not being afraid to ask for help, you know, and like, okay, next time I make a movie, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be more collaborative. I'm going to have more people help me. I'm not going to try to wear every hat. I pretty much was everything in that movie except like holding the boom mic and even then I did that sometimes you know I had one buddy he was it was me and my buddy who was holding the boom mic throughout the the whole movie you know so and so yeah so I just uh, it was a great learning experience and uh, then uh, at some point I was like I need to make another movie you know I like I I was trying to make the morning star which is credited on the IMDb um, which is a lot bigger budget movie you know like it would require more money than the director's cut um and it was uh i needed at least like 100k for that movie to make it right because it deals with a lot of practical effects and it would be more shooting days and all that stuff and it's also even though it's contained into like a single location for the most part it still had all these extra extra things that were gonna you know make the budget higher you know Um, so then I, we couldn't get the funding for that. That was during COVID, you know, 2020, I feel like it was like, it was hard to get anything, you know, at that time. So like, 
we would meet people they'd be like oh we like it but yeah I don't know you know I don't know if we want to give you money for this right now you know right now it's kind of not the best time or something like that um so we got so we didn't get that funded and I was like dang I need to do something cheaper you know maybe cheaper that I can afford you know and I'll have to put my money into this you know so that's how the director's cut kind of came about um that that ended up being the movie I ended up making instead of the morning star, which is the one I wanted to make. So that's all. Yeah. So that's how all ended up coming together. And uh, yeah, the director's cut kind of, I kind of was influenced. Honestly, the idea kind of, I wanted to do a movie about a character who was going through an identity crisis. And um, I think it was also kind of, I think America is in an identity, identity crisis in general. So it kind of like that kind of sparked the idea you know even though I wouldn't say my movie is like uh like a commentary necessarily on anything like that but it was kind of sparked by the 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 identity crisis that America was having you know during that I mean it's still having it you know and it's probably had it for a long time but it felt very in your face you know just through social media and stuff like that especially through 2020 2021 um uh uh, and then yeah and that's kind of how I wrote the script so I wrote it at the end of 2020 uh 2020 and then uh I uh you know people that I had met throughout the years that you know wanted to make a movie I hit them up and they were like all right let's do this and then I was able to get you know get a loan out you know and I funded the movie and then started getting the ball rolling and we started we filmed in uh, the summer of 2021 end of May and then we finished in in uh in uh, June it was a total of eight days, the shoot. So five in a row, we took a little break and then finished the final three days at the end of June. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of how it came about the director's cut, you know? And, uh, and also I, I wanted it to be like an indie film from the nineties or early two thousands, you know, kind of like that mumble for, you know, people are hanging out, talking like days and confused or clerks is a big influence. You know, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. Um, he's been super inspirational in my me wanting to be a filmmaker you know he's one of the first directors that I like you know really paid attention to um and uh Clerks is you know a great film both Clerks um and uh and yeah and I kind of the idea was also just like you know do Clerks um but as a murder mystery you know and uh and and kind of even have the same in a similar filmmaking style but with more polish was I was going for you know but still have that kind of raw and muscular filmmaking quality to the film, you know, where it didn't feel too clean and smooth or whatever, you know. So I still wanted to keep that kind of edge to it, but kind of like more polished uh, in the filmmaking techniques and stuff. But yeah, Clerks was was a was a very big influence for the film. Yeah, I definitely I definitely picked up on that, man. Um, like the hangout aspect of it, and also mm -hmm. just uh, the dialogue too, which is was one of the things that really impressed me. Is there's a lot of dialogue in this movie. Um, even if you compared it to something that was like, like a major blockbuster or whatever, I was like, wow, there's a lot of dialogue in this and the conversations though, the actors did a great job because it's mm -hmm. all really authentic to me, like the way they speak to each other, um, you know, to give people, I guess, a high level idea of what the plot is. There's a movie store owner, like you said, he's got an identity crisis related to death in his world. That's very real to him. And then there's somebody who comes into the movie store who kind of opens mm -hmm. this wormhole for him. And that kind of sparks this murder mystery. 
Um, yeah, yeah. That's probably the highest level way that I can explain it without giving anything away. And I don't <laughs> yeah, want to yeah. spoil it. For yeah, you did a great job. That's actually great. It was very simplistic. I like that was to the point. I liked it. <laughs> but I, I really liked it because it was nostalgic for me because it was almost kind of like there's also a, a sadness to to the, the main character. Uh, so the video store owner's name is Terrence. And mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like this bygone era, you know, like it's mm-hmm. like the strip mall feel. He's got this video store. You can tell he's really passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then then the other character, Gabby, um, mm-hmm. they're, they're really tight. And she kind of helps him with with this this murder mystery. But uh, but the dialogue was all really authentic, man. So that's what I wanted to ask you in terms of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. That was one of the questions that, that I was going to ask that you already answered in terms of conceptually how you came up with the idea. But um did you so did you write the script and everything too was that all your hand yeah. as far as the dialogue and all that yeah so I wrote the script um yeah I wrote the script and uh, it was being like kind of still written I got like a good solid draft and then I as the months progressed before the shoot I was you know rewriting and stuff like that and even Gabby uh Danny who who's the plays Gabby she she helped a little bit too in some rewrites and stuff like that but yeah it, it was just a it was a it was a constant pro you know rewrite it wasn't like it was a script that was like, I I didn't want it to be super like I wanted the actors I told them like listen this is I want this to feel natural um the script's just a I want it to be a strong blueprint you know um, and even though they do follow the script, you know, a good amount of the time, I did, I did want them to kind of be able to implement their own, uh, you know, their own ways of speaking into it and is more natural to them, you know, which I think that helped it maybe feel a little bit more authentic, you know, I didn't want them to be so, you know, I didn't want them to be like, they have to say every word, word for word of the script anyways, you know, so I wanted them to kind of be able to play with the the dialogue as well. So, um, and uh, yeah, and I think it worked. I think overall it worked. And they, I was, I owe them, you know, at the end of the day, you can write the best script, but if you don't have any decent actors or good actors, you're the, no one's going to care about the writing at all, you know? So, I mean, I really owe a lot to them because they, they, uh, they made it alive, you know, they made it, they really gave it the final touch. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, man. And, and, uh, and again, I don't want to give too much away, but how things panned out was not what I saw coming. And I, and I Mm -hmm. actually really, I really loved that about kind of the the journey that it takes you on and sort of the unearthing that, that happens as the film goes on. I, I wasn't expecting that, you know what I mean? Cause when the movie started, I'm like, okay, like as soon as you said clerks, and and again, that's what I was going to ask you. I was like, Oh, this is Mm -hmm. definitely got that vibe to me in terms of the dialogue. They're all kind of hanging out in this one spot where you know and then and then you start to kind of go okay where where is this going as far as like the you know the <clears throat> you know like again I don't want to get I'm trying to choose my yeah. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to give anything away but I'm like but but you have that moment like any movie you know you have act one it's just kind of setting the stage and then act two yeah. oh, okay now this has kind of been revealed and then it's like okay but how I'll just say this without against yeah, yeah. how it turns out is not what I was expecting. And I, and okay. I appreciated that in a good way. No, I'm glad. I'm glad. And yeah, I, I didn't want it to be, you know, there's two things happening in the movie. It's, it's the murder mystery is um, kind of to me, like the plot. And then the story is Terrence, like his development throughout the movie. Um, so that's kind of, uh, yeah. And I, and I didn't want it to be, I want it to be kind of like, 
in a way with the whole hangout thing, like you kind of forget kind of what's going on in a sense, you know, it's there, but you kind of forget there's something going on with, with, with the main character, you know, and stuff like that. So um, yeah, no, I'm very glad that, it, you know, we had a screening uh, on the 16th, July 16th, you know, a private screening of the movie, essentially. It wasn't super private, but, you know, we had a screening. We had a, over 120 people there. And, um, you know, we even had feedback, you know, cards and stuff like that for them to feel, uh, fill out and stuff. And yeah, it was really good seeing it with an audience um, from all types of, like, uh, taste, you know, from, uh, you know, because we knew a good amount, but, like, it's all, like, everyone has different tastes. So I'm glad they, they reacted well. They had good reactions to the movie. They were laughing, you know, and you never know how the movie's going to, you know, I edited the movie so like I've watched it so many times but like when you see with an audience it's like it's a little refreshing you know because like they're kind of telling you what's you know what's working and what's not working in a way you know but um they had a very strong reaction and a lot of people did say they didn't see the ending coming so that was very gratifying I would say most I think only one person told me like I I predicted what was going to happen but everyone else that I what I read from the feedback cards they they enjoyed it and they enjoyed the ending and they didn't see that coming so that was cool to to find out yeah and when I went back when I went back and uh started watching it um before we did this today Uh there was there was definitely some you know some foreshadowing or some foreboding that I didn't pick up on when I first when I first watched it you know when when you first joining the characters and so I want to tip my cap to you for that too because I'm like oh oh that's what that ends up meaning later you know what I mean and I thought that was cool man but um but again I'm trying to I'm trying to be careful here because I I don't want to spoil anything but yeah yeah no I feel you But so the actors, I got, they all did a great job, man. Are, are these all people that have, you've known or come in t- touch with throughout the years? Cause I know like when I spoke to Dylan and, you know, his, you know, we talked obviously on that podcast a lot about his short film, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, he just talked about this collective of like friends and creatives that, that he has out there in, in California. And um, I, I got the sense of watching this um, that like, either all these guys are really great actors and, or they're also tight off the screen because there was a lot of chemistry to, in my opinion, from watching it, mm-hmm. it, it did feel very natural. No. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I mean, I think one thing that I was trying to do, I think if you're a filmmaker trying to be a filmmaker is like, and you're starting out, it's like try to find a group of people that, you know, are like-minded and are, are interested in the same thing, you know? And that's what I try to do for a long time when I first started. It's like finding people that are, uh, that want to be actors and stuff like that. And, you know, to me, I, I'm a person that's never been super, uh, you know, I'm not into like, you know, public speaking really, you know, if I'm being honest. So like going out and like approaching people and stuff like that was, you know, not the easiest in, in the beginning, but over time, I, you know, I got past that and I've been, you know, and I made connections and stuff like that. So most of them, yes, they are people that I've worked before in some capacity. So like I said, I mentioned the guy who plays Jason, uh, John, he, I've known him since community college and we hit it off pretty quick. And like I said, he's one of my early collaborators and, you know, I adore the guy. He's, he's, he's a gem. And, uh, you know, you know, I feel like he, I feel like all these actors, but you know, I know he's, he's going to get there, you know, he's going to get his day in the sun for sure. And, um, and then the guy who plays good humor in the movie, not just not to cut you off, but just to interject, like he, he provided really good humor in the movie. 
no yeah he's always been i mean he he can do it all but yeah he's always been you know he used to do stand-up and stuff you know he's a very very outgoing guy he's he's hilarious um you would dig him for sure man i feel like you get you guys get along just from meeting you and hearing the podcast before with dylan um i think you'd like him a lot um and uh jason not jason the guy who plays freddie his friend uh stranton he i i've known him since like fourth grade um we grew up together and then we kind of like went to the same high school but we kind of you know you know you kind of go separate ways for a little bit you know and stuff like that but we we're always cool we never had a falling out or nothing he went his own way I went my own way and then like at some point I found out through social media that he was you know into acting and doing acting he's in LA now and stuff like that and I was like bro we got to collaborate on something I didn't know you're into this you know like this you know and he's like yeah I'm, I'm fully serious you know and so that's it was cool reconnecting with him because this movie basically reconnected us because we'd been close for a while when we were younger and we you know we we never were we never you know had any bad blood but we just you know like i said you you start making new friends you go your own path and then uh this movie brought us back together which is awesome so very grateful for that and um and then the girl plays gabby uh danny i met her uh, she was actually in that film that I made that I told you that is in Vimeo Purgatory. <laughs> so she's in that movie. Um, but we met through a mutual friend. He recommended her. And then uh, I, I hit her up for the movie and she's she was down. And then the rest is, you know, kind of history. We we just, you know, I'm like, OK, we'll work again. You know, I, I do. I do like uh, her acting and stuff like that. So I, and she was very easy to get along with. I'm like, I think she fits this role. So um, and then Lavelle, um, Terrence he uh i met him we i working at an old at a job working at a, at a at a treatment center you know for youth and he was there and you know i did he was a very quiet guy i wouldn't ever guess that he's an actor you know but then someone told me yeah he's into acting and he's he's um he's going to chapman university and stuff like that for screenwriting and acting and then i finally was like hey you do this and then yeah we clicked and then i was like i saw some of his work his stuff and i'm like wow you can really act and uh, that's how I kind of he kind of just popped in my head for some reason for the the lead role. You know, um, I feel like he just has a good mysterious quality to his face. But he's like, I feel like he just do a lot of range of emotions, too. You know, I feel like, you know, there's something in his eyes that that is uh, that I really like, you know, um, that that is a uh, kind of hard to read in a way. So I kind of wanted that for the for the Terrence character. And yeah, and he had it. And then um Everybody else, like Alicia, who played uh, who played Olivia, the the person who gives them the movie, um, she's from LA. I just met her for this through this through uh, like a website for casting actors and uh, backstage, and she was on there. She auditioned, gave a phenomenal audition, and boom, she was the one. I knew it. And then Allison, who plays uh, a person that shows up in the middle of the movie. Um, she met her through through also actually she reached out to me I was at a film festival and she like I guess I put my cards on the table my uh my uh my cards to contact my contact info and she emailed me send this nice email she's like I looked at your shorts I really like them we should work together and I was like oh, okay cool and then I kept her in touch and um I was like we'll work on something and uh she just kind of came to mind for this role and yeah that's how I got her and then yeah and then everybody else I kind of knew just kind of like from from just in the area you know and then oh the guy who plays the brother he's also from LA and I've worked with him uh through prior through something the one called Night Call um Havan and uh 
and yeah, and then I just reached him out. I'm like, I think you'd be dope for this part. He almost played the Terrence role because I wasn't sure if Lavelle was going to be able to play uh, Terrence because he was had he was just going through personal things and he wasn't sure if he was I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to to get the to be able to like film it, you know. So um, but uh, but yeah, they're both great. And uh, and then the guy who plays the father, I've known him and for just from work other another job, and you know, I just always liked his voice and stuff. And we, you know, I was like, hey, you want to do this? You know, and uh, also, you know, they're all they're all, you know, cool people that, you know, were going to work within my budget, too, you know. But luckily, I was able to find actors who who had the skills too, you know, and were also, you know, work within the the low budget. Yeah. Yeah. And you made it. I saw was it for 12 grand. You guys made this. That's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for for. And again, I have no frame of other than like I know, like these big, huge blockbusters, how mm-hmm. much those cost or like even the budget for. The, the new it horror movies what what that costs to do the, the kind of effects they're doing but for for twelve thousand dollars and somebody who doesn't know anything about movie budgeting or anything other than i know it's hard um i thought it turned out really awesome man and like i said the, the chemistry between the actors i thought was really great i really enjoyed the storyline and how things unfold um i think people who are a fan of independent films and people who are fans of you know like you said kevin smith that that type of movie are are really gonna are really gonna dig this man and i and i really mean that because i enjoyed it and i love horror movies like i literally i put it on my laptop and i i turned all the lights off in my living room (laughs) and i and i just i sat there and watched it and um my internet for some reason was giving me hiccups that night so there's a couple of times where it was like unfolding things were happening and then it would like freeze for a second I'm like no and then I'd have to rewind it again and like (laughs) back a couple minutes because I'm like did I what did I miss in the dialogue there yeah Uh, but I really enjoyed it man and and just building on that how cool was it to do the screening like that in a movie theater I mean that I saw you post that on your Instagram and and Mm -hmm. it, it looked like there was a good turnout and um I just I I just thought gosh that how cool is it to actually you know, you have this lifelong passion for this. And now this is the one that you feel really good about. It's the one that you want to give to the world is like your first big project, right? Like, Mm -hmm. was that like to actually see something that you made beyond the silver screen like that? I mean, if it felt it was, uh, you know, terrifying, Uh, (laughs) it was terrifying, but in a good way. Yeah, but it was also satisfying because I think uh, the reaction was satisfying overall. You know, I think people, you know, didn't feel like they wasted their evening, you know, for the most part. So that felt good. And it was, yeah, it was, it was great, you know, seeing it in a theater because, and, and it, it being a full length movie, you know, which is something it's like a little like a checklist off the bucket list type thing, you know, um, you know, and there's many more left so many more things to check off. But that's definitely one of them, you know, seeing a movie with an audience that I made in a theater, you know, in the theater format, you know, it was, you know, it's in, it wasn't like a Blu-ray or not, it was in the projected in the, what the movie theaters, uh, they call it a DCP, you know, so it was a real DCP and in, ingested into the auditorium theater uh, projector. And yeah, it was, it was just cool seeing it in that quality, you know. And uh, yeah, it's kind of surreal because I don't really, you know, kind of the whole night's a little bit, you know, of a blur because, you know, I think uh, nerves were high, you know, and stuff like that. So you kind of don't appreciate it as much because you're kind of like, feels like time, you're skipping moments, you know, in that in the moments, you, you know, you can't fully grasp or like fully, you know, embrace it properly. But um, yeah, it was a good time. It was I, I it was uh, I was I was 
surprised too because you know you're like is anybody even going to show up to this thing you know and uh you know a lot it was a good turnout so it was definitely very gratifying in that sense and uh yeah i can't wait to screen it more or have more people see it you know because that's the goal you know as many people to see this movie as i can get to see it yeah and that's that's one thing i wanted to ask you before we wrap it up and thanks again so much Stephen, for taking the time dude um was the version that i saw was is that is that the one that's like the final yeah that's the final version yeah okay and so so you did the you did the screening is it is it officially like when when are you planning on officially making it like available i guess so right now um right now we're gonna be we're in the process of we're i've already submitted to a few but submitting into film festivals um so i'm gonna submit it to um film the film festival circuit uh, see how that plays out. What, but I'm also looking into finding distributors as well simultaneously because at the end of the day, it's going to end up on a streaming platform. That's the and nowadays in movies, it's not really uh, DVDs and Blu-rays, even though I do want all that, you know. But it's going to be where, where, what streaming platform, you know, is it going to be in at the end of the day? So um, that's what we're looking into and talking with people and showing the people privately to some people and stuff like that. And uh, hopefully get that locked in before any film festival stuff, you know, even going to any film festival. Cause you know, the whole idea for film fest going to a film festival is to get distribution for your film. Somebody buy your film to put it out to the masses. Um, that's not always guaranteed. There's plenty of films, great films that have a hard time finding distribution or don't even find distribution. And they go to the best film festivals in the world. So um, if I can find distribution beforehand, that would be ideal. So that's the process that we're in right now is uh, is uh, doing that and uh, uh, submitting into festivals. And then also, you know, uh, talking to some people that we've met throughout the years that have some connection and some power in the industry to hopefully give us a shot and, and find us a home uh, on some, you know, on a legitimate streaming service. Yeah. And you guys have a, uh, a GoFundMe for that too, right. To try to, cause the money that it costs to try to get out to the, the festival <clears throat> circuit. Yeah. Yeah. So we have it, we have a GoFundMe. Um, it's on the director's cut Instagram um, at direct at director's cut film. Um, and uh, it's basically, yeah, for the film festival costs and then also potential travel and expenses. Because we get in, they're not going to cover everything for, for right. you, you know, you know, especially, you know, even if it's uh, in California somewhere, you know, it's they're usually like a couple of days, the festivals, you know, and you want to be there for the whole experience because there's a lot of networking opportunities and stuff like that. So um, and, you know, so we'll, you know, festivals they are usually going to you're going to have to get hotel, shelter, food, all that stuff, you know um so yeah that's what it's that's what it's for you know so yeah um definitely you know i'll be promoting that even more as as the year goes on you know and stuff like that um but yeah definitely definitely uh, any dollar helps any amount helps from a dollar to a thousand whatever it is anything helps uh because it will be going towards that well i'm rooting for you man i really enjoyed (laughs) it and um it's been cool getting to know more about your story. And, and I just, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of horror movies. I'm a fan of thrillers. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed watching this man. Like the, the acting was great. The storyline was great. I, I enjoyed it being set in that, in that video store. It was just kind of nostalgic right. for me um, because I, I can't tell you how many places. And, and I think that's kind of why I related to it to, to on a personal level 
of um, sort of like that quiet desperation of of like a bygone era almost yeah is part of that no definitely, you know? definitely. and uh yeah. where i'm from in toledo like uh, sadly there's you know every time i go back home there's something else that is closed down the local staple that is closed down and i've i've been in establishments like the one in that movie where it's mm-hmm. like you can tell somebody's hanging on man you know and they yeah they love it but you're like are they going to make it? And you just hope the local community can keep it going. So that was something I really related to with the film. Well, as well. Yeah, man, I was going to say that. I mean, that's a real store in the movie. Like it's a real functioning water store video store, you know, and the guy who uh, Marcelino who let us use it, he's a great guy. Um, yeah, man. Uh, he, uh, he definitely helped a lot. And it, it, that's how I feel the same way, man. Like I, I, it breaks my heart and it, I can even, it gets me even, you know, emotional, you know, sometimes just the, I, I adore going every Friday, you know, to the video store just to, I, I sometimes I wouldn't even rent anything. Honestly, I would just browse yeah. for like hours and then maybe I didn't rent anything that day. Cause maybe I was just like, I, you know, I usually always had something that I rent prior that hadn't been returned yet or something <laughs> like that. I would rewatch movies, but but yeah, just going in there, going, seeing the physical movie, looking at the covers, you know, picking movies that maybe ended up being duds or some, or I loved it when you discovered something, you know, where you were just like, whoa, what the heck? I never heard of this movie, but you see it there and then you put, you put it in and yeah, it was just a great excuse to get out of the house too. I feel like nowadays, you know, it, it, even though streaming is great, you know, there's a lot of positives you know, the, I feel like it's a shame that, you know, it just keep, makes people kind of not go out as much, you know, you know, people are, are more, uh, you know, complicit with just staying in and, you know, not even going to the movie theater, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the, of the movie theater, you know, I, I will literally be devastated if, if movie theaters for whatever reason die and don't come back you know or, or go out of business completely like that would be one of the worst uh, days of my life for sure because um, it was already hard when a video store went out because I really you know had great memories you know with the video store and like you said you know it's definitely you know geared a little bit towards people from our generation you know because they they experience that you know nowadays I talk to you know like I said, I've worked, I work at a, also at a youth uh, treatment center. None of those kids don't even know what a, what a video store is or a DVD uh, even, or like a VHS or anything like that. It, to them, it's just kind of like, you know, okay, great. We have Netflix, you know, <laughs> like, you know, which is fine. Like I said, there's good stuff in all of it, but man, I just like, you know, I know how vinyl made a comeback. I really hope video stores make some type of comeback. Cause just the idea of having, uh, um, a place where it's just surrounded by videos and stuff. And you can, it's just, it's to me, it's just, it's like a, it's like a type, it's like a second home in a way, you know, I don't know. I just love it. I love the atmosphere. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Like, like you mentioned vinyl, like, like record stores, you know, um, uh, there's a guy I had on my podcast years ago, Pat, uh, rest in peace, Pat. Um, but he, he had a record store, I don't know if it's his son. I think it's still in the family. It still runs it back home called Culture Clash Records in Toledo. You know, mm-hmm. and, and kind of like that same thing. When you when you went to a movie store, you know, you, you had that experience of like, like you said, picking things out, finding the one that you want. Oh, is this releasing? You know, and when you go to a record store, they 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 are in the business of music. They love yeah. music. And so it's like they would tell you, you know, you you could sit there and talk about music and have it was more of an experience than just the transaction 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because you're like, this person loves music. I love music. Maybe they could put me onto something that they enjoy. Um, yeah, yeah. The physical artwork of it all, like drawing was my first love. So I was, I, I, to this day, I love record artwork and liner notes and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. So I, and, and like you said, I think, I think the younger generations now with everything being digital, they're starting to appreciate the physical copies more. And I think that's a big reason yeah. vinyl has come back because people want, they want the exclusive vinyl, you know, like the, like I love metal music and a lot of bands will do like mm-hmm. blood spatter vinyl and stuff. And I am just now starting to get into that more, you know what I mean? Cause I don't even have a record player, but I'm like, I, I think the vinyl is so cool. Um, so yeah, yeah I, definitely. I, 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 I hope there's never a day where, you know, the, the movie theater goes away because I still think that there's that experience of, this is a movie I have to see in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I regret now kind of, and I don't know, maybe it's still in the theaters, but like my brother's a pilot and he was like top gun seeing that in the theater, the new top gun was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that it's like where you're immersed in that big screen. And um, I did get a chance to see both of the it movies in the theater, which mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, man, um, it, it, it the, the and maybe I and, and gosh I you know hopefully that guy keeps it going that was definitely not a knock when I said quiet desperation but I just meant from like the, no 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 I agree <laughs> yeah yeah I hope he doesn't listen to this and go Jesus man yeah. I'm, I'm trying to hang on but 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 no. just that, but when you have a local store you know what I'm you, you know what I mean like like yeah 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 it's like it's it's part of a, a different era now and like you said it's just and it's happening in sports too I'm a big sports fan and a lot of people are just like I'd rather like why would I pay for parking and deal with traffic and spend all mm-hmm. these money on tickets. And I've got my 65 inch, you know, 4k ultra, whatever, you know, yeah, yeah. football game or the basketball game at home. But I still think yep. something about going and seeing stuff live, you know? Yeah. It's also, you, you're sharing this. It's a shared experience with a collective, you know, especially if you're having a good experience, it's, it's very, it's something that's uh you know, it's a, it's kind of like an, a little bit of an out of body experience in a sense, when you're really watching a movie, like to me with movie theaters, you're watching a movie with a bunch of strangers and then you guys are all get synced in, you know, to the movie. And if the movie's working right for the majority of people, you guys get synced in and then you're having this unspoken experience of, you know, you're like, you're riding the wave with whatever the movie's doing to you, you know, the horror, the action, whatever it is, the drama, you're all crying together. You're all, you know, scared with each other. And it's uh, it's something that should never go away in my opinion, because I think it's, it's, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're already kind of, you know, distant with social media and stuff. People are already kind of, you know, less interactive in a physical way, you know, in an in-person way. I think uh, those things like, like movie theaters, you know, going out concerts, you know, stuff like that. I think it's important that we keep those things, you know, and uh, keep that experience of the collective experience, uh, you know, keep it, keep it alive and well, you know, for sure. Well, I'll get you out of there on this. Uh, thank you again so much, man, for taking the time real quick um, for either me or the audience, like yeah. let's geek out on some, some, we already discussed some of our favorite horror movies, but um, you give me a few and I'll give you a few and who knows, maybe we've already seen them cause we both like them, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Some, some of your recent horror movie or thriller movies that, that you've been into, man. Oh man, dude. Uh, that first of all, great question, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, oh man, recent, I mean, I'll go like this, uh, recently a, a horror movie that I saw that was really good. Um, I did, I did enjoy. Nope. I don't know if you've seen that one. 
uh, Jordan Peele's out, Nope. Uh, th- uh, a week a week ago Friday, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was that's a very recent movie that I would recommend people go check out. Uh, uh, if I could describe it, it's uh, Jaws in the Sky. So uh, that's uh, that's how I would describe that film. Um, but just movies that are horror movies that I think are you know everybody should watch. Uh, Black Christmas, the original 1974 Black Christmas. Have you seen it? No. You got to watch it. And then that that movie has the tagline. You know, movies have movie posters have tagline. Uh, that one's if your uh, if your skin doesn't crawl when you watch this movie, it's on too tight. It's that's very true. This movie is super eerie and creepy. It's very simplistic. The the the, the plot: killer goes to a sorority house Christmas Eve on Christmas. Also starts killing the sorority girls. That seems very kind of like oh, that seems very basic. But the execution. And just the atmosphere and the and the vibe of that movie is uh, is uh, brilliant, in my opinion. Um, it's actually directed by uh, the director of A Christmas Story. Have you seen oh, you wow. seen A Christmas? Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, he made this movie before. It's also a Christmas film, but complete opposite. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Black Christmas, the original one, because there's been a few remakes after. So the 1974 Black Christmas film highly recommend it's a it's to me it's a it's a masterpiece uh, especially in suspense and in just trying to creep you out it's so well done and then um what's another one uh oh um the thing have you seen the thing john carpenter's the thing oh, yeah. yeah that's one i mean if you've never i mean if you've never seen a horror movie that's one that you just you should just watch like first you know it's such a great film it's a great uh exercise in uh you know, just paranoia, you know, just not be able to trust people um, is, yeah, brilliant film. Kurt Russell's amazing. Uh, Keith David, all the actors are great. So that's one of my all time favorite films. Um, Prince of Darkness is a movie also by John Carpenter, but it's not as a, you know, well known and uh, as well uh, regarded as the thing, but it's a film that that kind of mixes sci-fi and religion in a very interesting way, you know, and it's about these people kind of trying to trying to figure out something that they discover in an old church hidden away, um, and and it meshes the it, it meshes uh, science and religion very very well, and it's very uh, good kind of like. Uh, movie contained in an old abandoned church you know a lot of great actors in it and uh yeah it's a great film you haven't seen it prince of darkness 1987 it came out in but yeah um let me see uh recently a newer one that i really liked now this film gets kind of a lot of flack but it's called it comes at night i really like this film it came out in 2017 i don't know have you ever heard of it I think I, I think I've seen it a few times on on various streaming services, but I yeah. or maybe I'm thinking of It Follows. I, I think maybe it, maybe you're thinking of It Follows. Yeah. That's a good one too. I do enjoy that one, but it comes at night. It's kind of it's not what you think. It's it's a it's a it de- it's kind of actually very relevant in the sense of the whole COVID thing, you know, because it deals with the characters sheltered away in the woods because there's been a a, a disease that's killing people, you know, a virus that's destroying people, you know, and then the whole concept is dealing with uh, uh, basically a new family or a new family shows up and they give them shelter, you know, and then that creates this whole dynamic. And that's where a lot of the terror comes from. Cause it's also dealing with the paranoia, like, you know, um, can you trust these people and stuff like that? So it's a very, very well acted, very uh, well-made film um, and very kind of like, you know, heart wrenching film too, but it's uh it's not a, tr- it's not your typical type of horror movie. 
Um, God, I can go on, but uh, those are just a few off the top of my head right now that I'm thinking, uh, thinking of right now. But, um, but yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Cause a few of the old school ones, I get like I black Christmas. I think I've, again, I've gone by maybe a couple of times Tubi actually has a lot of cool. Like, I feel like they almost yes. have, like the best horror archive of like all of the streaming services. They have a lot of good ones. Yeah. Um, I would say recent ones, maybe you've seen these, um, Ari Aster did hereditary and midsummer. Yeah. Both of those <laughs> were really good as far as newer ones. One that really like legit freaked me out. I just thought it was very well done. It was very unsettling. Um, mm-hmm. And again, kind of like made me feel like it could be real was the canal. Did you ever see that one? You know, the canal, you know what? That's one that's uh, on my watch list. I have not seen it, but I know what movie you're talking about. It is worth it. I mean, especially okay. since movies are like your thing, man. And, and horror movies, the canal was uh, very unsettling and, just equal parts creepy good storyline you know trying to figure out what's going on like the the atmosphere was really well done like really enjoyed really enjoyed that one I watched that when I moved to Nashville um six years ago and I watched that by myself in the dark and going to bed that night I was like (laughs) you know like nothing was gonna happen but it's just one of those things you're like wow that messed me up man um, yeah, it penetrated your psyche. It got in your head. That's good. <laughs> it absolutely did. Yeah. Um, I told I told my brother Brandon to watch that. If he listens to this, he might laugh. But I, I was getting on him forever to watch that. And um, when he finally did watch it, he watched it with with my sister-in-law's wife, Jen. And I just thought it was hilarious because I was like, oh, he didn't want to watch it by himself. Because he and I watched <laughs> Babadook one night when not long oh. that came out. And yeah. I think we watched like a funny movie after that, like Tim and Eric or whatever, but like, yeah, yeah just to like ease the burn a little bit. That's but, a heavy movie. The Baba Duke. That's a real heavy movie. <laughs> that one's, that one's tripped out too, man. Um, and then I'm trying to think of what else recently that, um, Oh, and then he told me to watch, we kind of joked and we were calling it, I'll, I'll be diplomatic because during the day, uh, my day job is in the corporate world. So I'm not going to swear, but we were calling it our yeah. messed up, our messed up, hint, hint, wink, wink, messed up movie book club is what we were calling it. <laughs> I'll give him like a messed up one to watch, and then he would give me oh. one to watch. And the one that he told me to watch was uh, "The Eyes of My Mother," which I oh yeah, uh, in Italian, yeah, dude, that that's one, a movie. <laughs> it's very messed up, incredibly like one of the more unsettling movies I've I've seen in the last few years. Um, uh, and then, yeah, and then mid midsummer was definitely um, I, I, I became rumblings about it. And then I think the fact that it's again, not to give spoilers, but just the fact that so many horror movies like the darkness is is a, absolutely mm-hmm. a character, the night <clears throat> and the fact that that movie was pretty much exclusively in the daytime and it was still. Yeah, is, no, I, that was very cool. I like that, too, that it was a, the horror was bright and in your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what was going to say? Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, and then, of course, like, Sinister is a great one of people. I mean, I know it's going a few years back now, but that mm-hmm. was a great one of people haven't haven't seen Sinister. Um, really enjoyed, really enjoyed that. I um, still need to see it. I still need to see it. I, it's been, like, recommended for, to me so by so many people, and I still haven't put it on. I don't know why. What's wrong with me? I love Ethan Hawke, too, so yeah, I need too. to I'm, I I'm need do it. Anything Ethan Hawke does, I'm in on. But yeah, Sinister is good. So those are those are some recent ones that that stick out to me. But but I love the '80s stuff too, dude. Like, yeah, probably like 
you know, granted, it's it's not quote unquote scary, or at least not for me. It might be to some people, but the Lost Boys, one of my favorites. Oh, ever. classic, dude. Yeah, classic, my but... favorites ever. There's a company called um, you should check them out called Jad is Rad. And okay. I think all the shirts are like made to order. But um, oh, nice. they've got he's got a lot of cool horror themed stuff on there. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And there's oh, nice. Jad, Jad is Rad, right? That's what it's Jad called. Jad is Rad. Yep. Yeah. Yep, he might okay. might be based in Cali too, but um, okay. but yeah, I've got like a Lost Boy shirt from him, and it's but it's like basically done as like a music tour shirt, so it's like Lost in Tour nineteen eighty seven. It's dope. It's cool. Um, nice. Hell yeah. But yeah, but yeah the, the Lost Boys, one of my favorites. Um, like I said, the I got a I, I got a movie recommendation for you for messed up movies. Uh, you... <laughs> Let's do it. I got I got two. So the first one's called Antichrist. Okay. okay. 2000, 2009. They're by the same filmmaker, uh, Lars von Trier. Uh, he's a Danish filmmaker. Um, but the, that one has Willem Dafoe in it. Uh, so it's called Antichrist. And then the other one's called The House That Jack Built. And that one has uh, Matt Dillon. And he's playing a serial killer. And it's kind of like his, he's kind of, he's telling someone his life, isn't not his life story, but uh, a good portion of his methodology and psyche about his serial killings and uh yeah so those two house the house that jack built that came out in 2018 and then uh antichrist came out in 2009 but lars von trier he made those films and let me you know message me when you whenever you do watch and let me know, <laughs> let me know what you think yeah you're gonna be like don't ever recommend a movie to me again <laughs> I will. Yeah. There's some of them like when you're done, you need to like take a cold shower or something. Just like, Oh, definitely. Off, definitely. Off the creepiness, but um, like one and done with that one. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steven, this has been great, man. Um, I'll put up the links in the podcast description. Um, so people awesome. can check it out, but uh, for people who aren't aware, let them know where they can find you, man. Yeah. They can find me on Instagram at, at Epis films uh, or, and also, you know, at the director's cut film you can find me on uh, tiktok at uh arepas 24 um and yeah that's pretty much it that's where i'm at on social media <laughs> and then the instagram um, is uh is it i can't remember if it's the director's cut film or director's yeah cut the film. direct uh, the director's cut film yeah okay I'll send you the, I'll send you the links to, if, if you, or you could just look it up, you know, just to double check. I'm like, yeah, pretty sure it's the director's cut film. Yeah, yeah. I'll make them, I'll make sure I got them right in the podcast description. Um, yeah. It's been awesome having you, Steven. I, I really appreciate it, man. And, and like I said, keep doing your thing. I, I, I appreciate people who persevere and chase down their dreams and, and, um, and, and do it, you know, with the kind of passion that you have and just the kindness that you have, man. Like I'm, I'm so, um, grateful to have been able to connect with you and dylan and again shout out to dylan who did the score for oh for definitely but um but uh but yeah man keep doing your thing keep keep chasing your dreams dude i really love the movie and i know i know people who who are listening to this if you're into horror and suspense and thrillers and independent filmmaking like you'll you'll dig it so thank you so much for your time dude let's definitely keep in touch oh without a doubt man appreciate it man thank you <laughs> Alrighty, righty there you have it. That was my conversation with filmmaker Steven Aripes. Make sure you go follow him on Instagram at Aripes Films, and that is spelled A-R-I-P-E-Z. And for all things The Director's Cut, 
follow the director's cut on Instagram at the director's cut film. And if you scroll to the bottom of the podcast description for this episode, I will have the link for the GoFundMe for the film festival submissions and travel expenses associated with Steven and his team getting the director's cut to be screened at these festivals so that it ultimately ends up on a streaming service for all of you to watch and enjoy. So even if you can only donate a dollar, man, every buck counts. So please click on that GoFundMe link and go support Steven and his team because I'm not just saying this. Because he took the time to do this podcast, I really enjoyed watching the director's cut. If you're a fan of Kevin Smith films, as you guys heard in that conversation, the way that this is shot, it's just a cool hangout, dialogue-driven movie, and there's things that happen in it that were unexpected. And again, I don't want to give too much away other than to say like, the way that it ended, you guys, was not anything that I saw coming. And to me, that's the mark of a really good movie, or even in particular, a really good horror movie are just plot twists and turns that you don't see coming and the actors in this did a great job and for me personally it was really cool to just hang out in a video store with these characters man like it really took me back to just being a kid and growing up in Toledo Ohio and the weekend would come and we would go to you know either family video or video connection or blockbuster or even we go to the library with my mom. We go to the Sanger Branch Library and they had movies there that we would rent. And as kids, you know, we would always rent like the same five or six movies. Little Monsters was in there. The Labyrinth was in there. The Sandlot, Little Giants, Hook. We wore all those out, man. But uh, it was really cool to, to just hang out in a video store again because they really are a thing of, a, of the past at this point. Um, you know, I, I remember watching the, the last Blockbuster documentary, I think, last year. And uh, it's just kind of crazy how, how quickly technology changes and the, the downloading age. And, um, and uh, it was just cool to, to just hang out in a video store again, man, and uh, what that experience was like when you were a kid going in there and smelling the popcorn and the candy. You know, they would try to make it like a little movie theater, you know. Uh, but, yeah, man, I really think that you guys will enjoy this movie. So, again, please click on that GoFundMe link so that the director's cut gets supported and gets on a streaming service so that all of you can watch it, man, because I really enjoyed it. And on that note, I just want to say thank you again to Steven for taking the time to do the podcast. Dude, I really enjoyed our conversation to, to hear about your journey and all the hard work that you've put in to get to this point and to put together the director's cut post-pandemic, get the actors that you got to make it on the budget that you guys made it on, what, like $12,000 and the way that it came out, man, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think, again, your story is, is definitely one of perseverance and moving forward. And I just think it's awesome that you're chasing your dreams as a filmmaker and uh, that you're putting out great work, man. So I can't wait for everybody to watch the director's cut. Uh, I really appreciate the time, and you're welcome back anytime, my friend. So, yeah, you guys, um, I, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. You know, just the, the time that Stephen has put in to get to this point with the director's cut and to have the cast that he got, like it just really is a great example of not giving up on your dreams and where things can go. If you just continue to believe in yourself and you don't quit, you know, there's, there's a great way to guarantee that you'll never do the things you want to do in life. And that, and that's if you stop, if you quit and the best way to guarantee that you will get where you want to go is if you just keep moving forward, keep pushing through keep climbing those walls and there's going to be a lot of walls. There's going to be a lot of waves that hit you, but it's going to test you to see how much you really love it, man. And, uh, that's, what's so awesome about his story and really why it fits the mold of perseverance and moving forward on this podcast, because 
as you guys heard, he put a lot of time in to get to this point, and this is just the beginning, you know what I mean? So I'm really excited for him. So again, please scroll to the bottom of the podcast description, click on that GoFundMe link, and go support the director's cut, getting on the film festival circuit so it gets on a streaming platform for all of you to watch it, and we can see more great films from Steven and his team. And uh, yeah, man, that's going to be a wrap on this week's episode, y'all. Uh, once again, you can follow me on Instagram at March4thPod, on Twitter at Mike V. Bauman. The host site is March4th.podbean.com. My link tree with all of that is going to be in the podcast description as well. So if you scroll to the bottom, you can click that, learn more about me, read past feature stories. You can connect with me. And, uh, and if you would be so kind, as much as I hate begging for this stuff, if you enjoyed the conversation that you heard with Steven, I really hope that you tune into future episodes, that you check out past shows. If you like and subscribe, that would be great. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And I know in particular with Apple and Spotify, you can leave a rating and a review for the show. And that helps the show rank higher and ultimately gets these conversations out to more people when you guys take the time to do that as a listener. So if you would be so kind and you did like what you heard, please go to either Spotify or Apple leave a rating and a review for the show. You can even do it on uh, Podbean as well. If you don't have one of those streaming platforms, you can listen to this right through uh, Podbean at march4th.podbean.com. You can leave a comment, and uh, that's awesome, man. So any Hoosers, I love you all. Please take care of each other out there. Be good to each other. And as I say on every episode to close it out, keep the faith and be kind to one another. Peace. <laughs>